The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back to a very special edition of Jamie D and Big Newt. What makes this a special edition? Well, I, Jamie D'Amico, am sitting here at my kitchen table with Big Newt himself. This is the first time we have ever done a podcast actually physically in the same location. Hey, you look even better in person, buddy. Man, I missed you, bro, man. This is good stuff, man. I made the two-hour track up 95. Come to see my homeboy, man. We're celebrating. A one-year anniversary, man, and an early birthday, too, you know, so my birthday's Friday, so this is a big week. Now, first, we want to start talking about giving things away, because that, believe it or not, is something that we're going to be doing here on, that's something we're going to be doing here on Jamie D and Big Newt. So it starts with a contest benefiting the American Cancer Society. So if you look down in the description, you'll see a link that was, God damn it. Let me start over. But first we're going to talk about how you, the listener, can win things here on Jamie D and Big Newt and Buffalo Rumblings in general. So be sure to join the Buffalo Rumblings Pick'em Contest benefiting the American Cancer Society to win signed items from Thurman Thomas, Zach Moss, and more. Uh, Click in the description to enter and find out more details on how to donate and win. And just so you know, any amount of money you donate to the American Cancer Society through this link will register you to win these amazing Buffalo Bills items. And Big Newt, you're talking about the Boom Boom Room getting a little lighter and benefiting people at the same time. Well, since this is our one-year anniversary, man, you know what? I'm in a given mood also. So what I did was on a ride up here, just thought about, hey, Let's have a little contest. So you can go online and you can give and win Buffalo Bills, real Buffalo Bills items. I got some stuff in the Boom Boom Room too. So let's say you hit us up on Twitter, one of our loyal listeners, Bills Mafia. This is a good one. Who is it from my neighborhood that played for the Buffalo Bills that made Big Newt become a Bills fan? Ooh, good question. Whoever, whoever answers that question, 
the first person that answers it. So that means you got to be impressed of when we drop. Answer the question. The former Buffalo Bills that was from Big News neighborhood in St. Louis who made me become a Bills fan, I'm going to send you an autographable Buffalo Bills helmet. Full size or mini? It's a full size. Holy shnikes. Yes. Full size helmet. Wow, yeah, that, that's that's a hell of a gift, man. Those, yeah, those are I'll not cheap. It. You ain't got to worry about paying for delivery. I'll take Big New to take care of all of it. Just wow. go ahead. And matter of fact, no, I need you. I need more than that. I need you to answer the question, and you got to tag three people. Okay, how about that? That, that seems totally people. reasonable because I mean, we're talking about hundreds of dollars yeah. here. So I mean, that, gotta, that's that's the price us, of a helmet new. So you got to help us get our numbers up. You tag three people. And answer the question. Boom. I'll send you the helmet. All on me. Hey, 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 man. Hey, 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 hey. So what we are going to do, we're going to take a look at the past year. Not just because we've been doing this together for a year. Our anniversary, as Big Newt mentioned. But... This is quite possibly one of the most interesting years in Buffalo Bills history. Not only did they exceed all expectations, but they also did it under the the cloud of COVID hanging over the season. We didn't even know if the season was going to come off next or last year. And in fact, around about this time, that was a big debate on our show was whether or not we were going to see any games at all. It was it was weird and stressful times, wasn't it? Yeah, man, it was a lot of uncertainty this time last year with COVID and everything. Excuse me, I'm sorry, I'm up here kicking you under the table. Um, it was a lot of uncertainty. We were making best of when they was going to call it. Was they going to do it week three, week four? And so hats off to the NFL and everything they did. A lot of work goes into it and still is uh, going to go into it this season, um, having fans in all the stadiums. And uh, with protocols and such, that's going to be uh, had to be adhered by. And um, also, did you see this weekend that uh, the FDA gave approval for the uh, Pfizer vaccine? So um, once again, and we don't want to be a health conscious show, but this is, and we're going to talk about this in the show that how COVID is going to affect the uh, Buffalo Bills, who we all love, we all can agree on that. So. Um, but so a lot of places now are going to require people to uh, get the vaccine to work. And then you might have to, to attend the games also in certain cities, mm-hmm. such as New Orleans. So we are going to take you from last year at this time all the way up to the very present moment. And there's a lot to cover in here. It's very exciting. But Newt, what'd you do this week, man? Well, I started since I've seen you last, man. Last Thursday, I had to go to the dentist, which I hate going to the dentist. I hate oh. people poking and prying in my teeth. I did too. I have a cavity. Yeah, I had a cavity removed. Damn and it. And so my uh, dentist, and she's a wonderful lady, she was like, well, I see a little something there. And I'm just like, is it a little something or a lot of something? Because if it's a little <laughs> something, let's wait till it's a lot of something. And so, and obviously, I'm a 400-pounder, so she, the numbing uh medicine i mean it works and then it just she had to poke me like six times and she she poked me two she gave me two or three shots uh 
was it Novocaine, uh, I guess? Yeah, or Lidocaine or whatever. Yeah. It hurts so bad. Right. And she's like, do you feel this? And I'm like, no, not really. And then she starts, and I'm like, oh, I'm like, yeah, I felt it. She's like, well, you don't supposed to feel nothing. But if you if you ever Jeez. had this kind of work done, them sawing and drilling in your mouth, it echoes in your ears. It's so loud. And it's like, if anything, that hurts. It's like psychological. Like, give me some headphones. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So probably after the sixth or seventh shot, if I couldn't even move this whole side six of my face. Six or seven? Yeah, I got like six or seven. Oh, my God. Yeah, like, you don't supposed to feel nothing. I'm like, I promise you I feel it. Six or seven, you could amputate a limb. And then and it's so funny because I think she thinks I'm lying. So she'll be like, Do you feel that? Do you feel that? And I'm like, dude, I know you're not touching me. Like <laughs> she's trying to test me. And I'm like, look, I ain't no pipsqueak now. Like, I'm right. a big dude, so I need more, I'm sure, than a regular person. So I wind up getting uh the cavity filled. But uh um, yeah, so that started my weekend, and then we went down to Knoxville as a family. Knoxville, Tennessee, to uh, the Women's Basketball Hall of Fame induction. That's that, cool. That was on ESPN uh, on Saturday night. And Simone played in a three-on-three AAU National Championship to commemorate that weekend. And was she in the championship game? No, we didn't make it. Oh, okay. These girls were very good. We loved, uh, The Philly Bells, I don't know you know AAU basketball, but the Philly Bells team out of Pennsylvania won the championship in three of the divisions, I think, so. They were very good, well coached. So, but it was a great experience. Uh, ESPN people were commentators was there talking to the kids. They had Q and A's with some of the uh, inductees: Tamika Catchings, Lauren Jackson from Australia, uh, Swim Cash from UConn got inducted, and then David Stern was inducted. Also, his son gave his speech and accepted his award, his induction. So it was a great show, great experience. And then uh, we also got to tour the facilities at the University of Tennessee. So it was a great experience for the kids, man. Man, your kids do cool stuff. You guys are good parents. Well, that's very kind. Thank you. So back to the Buffalo Bills, though. You Um, did nothing? No, I went to the dentist and I drank. So we both went to the dentist? Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, I have, a, I have a cavity too. Oh, okay, gotcha, gotcha. A very small one. He said it probably has only been there for like four to eight weeks. Oh, okay, I gotcha, I gotcha. It's my first one in many years. Anyway, mm-hmm. back to the Buffalo Bills. We were talking about this. We were talking about our predictions before the 2020 season. And I had the Bills going backwards by a game and finishing nine and seven because the bills had what looked like a very difficult schedule. because they were playing a second place schedule or they playing first place. Yeah. Second place schedule. And I didn't know if Josh Allen was going to take a step forward because there was nothing in the previous two seasons that said, yes, this guy is going to be great. You had them at what? I think I had them at 11 and 5. And I did realize that how our, our schedule seemed the last summer more daunting than it wind up being. I guess that was just me being more optimistic. Um, once again, I feel like I was, but we both were kind of teetering on the line of Josh Allen. I think I just kind of teetered, our teeter totter went more my way than yours. Mm-hmm. And for the simple fact, I, I was a little bit more optimistic of him making improvements, maybe just more hopeful. Yeah, you sure. Know? Um, but we both realized that our offense went to places that we neither one of us ever thought it would go. 
But I will say we thought that the defense would probably be better than where they wind up being. Huh? We expected a top five defense right. and a middle of the road offense. Right. And right. that is exactly the opposite of what we got. Exactly. And I think some of that was also uh, Starla Tula Lay not being in the middle of the defense, too. That lended some of it. So, um, But it wound up being one of the best years we've ever had. And the fact that we had the podcast doing it made it even better. Yes. So wondering if week one was ever going to come off, we have to hand it to the NFL for doing a great job of putting together protocols to keep the players safe. And there were only a few issues throughout the season where, and we'll get into that, but where games were affected by it. So the players, the the administration of the NFL, the teams, they did right by us, the fans. And I'm thankful for that. So that then led to week one where the Bills played the Jets. The Bills won 27-17, and that game was in hand for the Bills the entire time. From the opening kickoff, it almost seemed like the Bills were working on stuff for future games, which is something that you always saw teams doing against Buffalo. <laughs> it, it just sort of seemed like, yeah, you know, we're going we're gonna to try running these plays to see if it'll work against professionals. And then they played the Miami Dolphins, the second consecutive division game, and the Bills, man, they kind of stole one there. They, they won 31-28, and really it was brought together by an interception by Trey White toward the end of the game, picking off Fitz. But that was also the first game we saw 2020 Josh Allen, was it not? Yeah, I totally agree, man. That guy came out there and did the daggum thing. We needed every point, every yard that he threw for. He threw for 415 yards, um, four touchdowns, almost a perfect, if not perfect, QBR, uh, and passer rating. It, that's when we saw that, hey, this is going to switch the tide of the season of being an offensive-led team versus defense because we all went into the season thinking, oh, well, if Josh Allen can average 24 points a game, we might be able to get 10 wins. No, we need to get to 30, and that's going to set the stage of us going to the playoffs. Right. Now, did you believe at that point that it was going to be an offense first game, first team? Or did that seem like an aberration at that point? Well, you don't know. You got to let it play out. But you saw glimpses. You, you know, did. You did. Definitely. So I'm not going to say – I'm not going to say that I thought at that point it would switch, but you was like, okay. Like you saw glimpses of what it could be. So, Well, the next week against the Rams, this is one that – it was like the tale of two games. The Bills jumped out to a 28-3 to lead in the third quarter and then wound up – behind 32-28, and Josh Allen puts the team on his back, drives them downfield, late touchdown to Tyler Croft, Bills win, and it's almost like that was the game for me that said, okay, maybe this team is not what I thought it was going to be. Maybe this Josh Allen character has improved in the offseason, and also what happened to the defense? <laughs> 311 yards, four touchdowns, one interception. So in two weeks, he threw eight touchdowns, one pick, and threw for over 700 yards. So who would have thought? I know. And it's like, and once again, you as Bills fans, you you think to yourself, oh, it can't be this good. Because if you think about it, Brian Fitzpatrick had those days. Yes, he Tyrod did. Tyrod really did. No. Okay. He, he wasn't a thrower. He wasn't a thrower. It was just his offense. He'll throw for maybe a good game for Tyrod with 200 yards, 200 yards passing. 
70, 80 yards rushing, I guess. Yeah. So you look at the total offense. But once again, man, uh, Josh Allen put up 35 points and we won by three. So we needed all those. So that's 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 what you got to look at. So at that point, I'm like, and everybody's starting to talk about him now. Like, yeah, look at Josh Allen. But once again, we had to be apprehensive for the fact, well, we saw Fitz look like even when he was in Tampa Bay, he'd have four. It, they was talking about Fitzpatrick as an MVP the first couple of year, the first couple of games of that year. You know what I'm saying? So we've seen this from Bills quarterbacks, so we're just wondering, can we sustain? Right. So the Bills followed that up with a game against the Raiders that they won that thirty to twenty three, and the Bills had that in hand really the, the whole game. Uh, Allen didn't eclipse three hundred yards for the first time this season, uh, but. You know, he got to 288, looks good. Then came that debacle, the game against Tennessee that kept getting moved because the Titans had the COVID issues. They basically played their first game in, what was it, 16 days? Something like that. And the Bills went, they went to play the Titans and it's like they never showed up. They got destroyed 42-16. Derrick Henry had a signature run of his career where he sent uh, your boy flying through the air with a stiff arm. Josh Norman. <laughs> yes. put, him, put him right into retirement. And you know what's sickening about that run? Don't say just signature run for him. That's going to be like a signature run NFL history. Yeah. You see it all the you see it now. When they talk about like highlights and stuff, you see that run all the time. You're right. You know, and so it's kind of like when the, when uh, Marshawn Lynch ran in the playoffs, Bo Jackson running over uh, Kansas City or Brian Bosworth. Bosworth yeah. Thank you, Bosworth. Like it's certain runs that you're going to always see when they talk but about NFL. Earl Campbell Earl running Earl. over that guy at, they, on the Rams or something. And then they tearing up his jersey. Like, yeah, like it's certain runs that's going to live in infamy. And, uh, the annals. of history you know what I'm saying so um, yeah I think it's one of those things man where and if you remember that week not only was it the uh, extended uh, preparation we didn't know we were going to play that game Tredavious White that whole thing like I don't want to play it was just a whole lot leading up to it. So, but it was one of those things where we knew we were playing a good team. It was in Tennessee, lots of Bills Mafia in the building. But yeah, we just laid an egg, and that's going to happen. They just they weren't mentally prepared. And then the following week, Monday night game, short week, because they played on Tuesday and then they played again on Monday, so six days. Played the Chiefs. Another debacle. The Bills lost that game by nine points. It that was. It was not that close. Uh, the Bills were utterly humiliated with uh, uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire running all over them in, in that. And the Bills just didn't look like they could do anything on offense or defense in that game. And after those two losses, I, I have to be honest. My The place my head was is, all right, you know what? It was a fast start, but here we go again. This is the same Buffalo Bills team. They're going to be mediocre. They're going to beat bad teams. They're going to lose to good teams. They're going to have to pull out miracles to beat the bad teams. I, I, I was not in a good headspace as a fan at that point. 
and I remember us talking about it. I was just like, okay, the Jets game the next week has to be a must win. You know, and now if we if the wheels would have fell off the season if we would have lost the Jets game. So we wind up coming back, going to New York, and we won that game eighteen to ten. And uh, Josh Allen got back on a winning streak with three hundred and seven yards. Although he didn't toss any touchdowns, he didn't throw any picks either. So we got on back on our winning ways. And so uh, after that, it was the New England game. Yeah. The game where we found out the name of Justin Zimmer. Exactly, because without that big player, we keep talking about it. That was one of the defining plays of the season when he uh, stripped Cam Newton when they were going in for the go-ahead touchdown to win the game. Uh, he got the strip that we were able to uh, seal the victory. So 24-21, and uh, Josh Allen threw for 154 yards with a pick. So Not yeah. a great day, yeah, but not it a was great game, but windy and wet. Mm-hmm. And we were able to still pull it out. So whenever you make a Super Bowl run, man, you're going to have games like that to where, you know, you're going to get lucky. So that was a lucky game. But the season turned the following week. A good team, a very good team went to Buffalo in the Seattle Seahawks. And the Bills had that game in hand. It ended up being a 10-point game in the end, 44-34. But still, it wasn't that close. And oh my God, Josh Allen had himself a day going toe-to-toe with the guy who everybody in the first half of the season said was MVP. Like, no doubt, it's Russell Wilson's award to lose. Josh outdueled him. I agree, man. You're right. At that point, everybody thought at the beginning of the season that Russell Wilson was going to well, Sierra's husband was going to uh, <laughs> win MVP, and our guy was able to outdo it, not only get the win, but outdo him, man. And, and that was big. That's when you kind of thought, all right, man, we, we're, we're halfway through the season. We might be for real right now. Possibly. And then they lost to the Arizona Cardinals on that last-second heave throw into the end zone where the Bills didn't actually play a great game that day. Uh, they put up 30 points. They lost by two. They lost on a lucky play, but I'm not sure the Bills deserved that game. But it, it was another one where Josh Allen was bringing them back from behind. Um, one of the Bills' signature plays of the year was when Allen was rolling to his left, threw that ball to Stephon Diggs in the corner of the end zone. It, it was a great throw. It was a great catch. And that game is what the team credits for being the catalyst for the team that they were the rest of the year. Because, okay, after that game, I had the audacity to imply that the Bills might not win another game. That's the kind of game that could be an utter backbreaker. And me being the pessimist that I am, I I said they might not win another one. And you told me that was ridiculous. Yeah, I did. And, but... But the thing about it is now that you see how things play out and before y'all go to Twitter and beat up on my uh, boy, look at <laughs> all you did was you said you saw visions of us falling apart, but all you did was see the wrong jersey. That was really the Steelers that fell apart. It was, think about right. it. <laughs> yeah, They were undefeated right. at that point. They was undefeated and they wind up, you know, they wind up falling apart the last month or se- uh, so of the season. So it can't happen. I didn't think it was going to happen to us. And you just saw 
you had clairvoyance and you saw it happening to another team. So, <laughs> I mean, I thought it wouldn't happen to us. And that was me being hopeful. It just happened to the Steelers. My God, you let me off easy there. Thank you. I'm not going to let nobody <laughs> pick on you, man. I'm the I'm only one that picks on my boy, man. I ain't letting nobody pick on Just like a true family. <laughs> Just like a true family. And uh, people would know that we're family. We look so much alike. I know, man. I'm going to post a picture on Twitter of us uh, recording this, and you all will be uh, – you'll, you'll find it remarkable how – how much we resemble each other, but okay. <laughs> so the Bills go uh, on their California swing. Uh, the Chargers went to Buffalo. The Bills went and played the Niners. I thought that the Niners had a legit shot at beating the Bills. Like to me, this was the the meat of the schedule right here: um, Seattle, Arizona, Chargers, Niners, Steelers. Said, "Oh God." What is going to happen in this stretch? I thought the Bills could sneak out of there with only one win. Guess what? They had only one loss. And that game against the the Niners, that was the point in the season when I became a believer. That Monday night game, they just handed it to a very physical, talented team. And yeah, sure, they had a bit of a down season. They did not have uh, Jimmy Garoppolo playing but still the bills took it to him and then came the game against the Steelers that we were all fretting but by that point the Steelers were a shell of themselves from earlier in the season right and and going back to the 49ers game Josh Allen 375 yards four touchdowns man 77 QBR 140 passer rate 139.1 passer rate when it takes those nationally televised games to get your name on the map. And I feel like after that game, after that performance, that's when people took notice. Mm-hmm. Like, this dude is going to be a serious MVP candidate. Signature you know, win. You need those games on national TV because although Bill's Mafia, we tune in and we watch all the games, it's the games that you you play uh, Monday night football, Thursday night football, when everybody's watching you, you need those type of performances. So that that to me, that, that was the signature win of that. Back-to-back primetime games, short week. They play Pittsburgh, and Taron Johnson gives us a preview of what was going to come in the playoffs, pick six against Ben Roethlisberger. That is another game the Bills had in hand the entire way through. There was never a point in that game where I was getting nervous. Right, and and I feel like I feel the same way about uh, two weeks from now, man. I mean, I'm not worried about the Steelers. I'm not worried about the Steelers, man. I mean, if we go out there and play our game, I I have no worries. And I didn't worry about that one either. So then the Bills closed out the season against two divisional opponents. And the Patriots, the Bills blew them away, 38-9. to This is when the Bills were clicking on all cylinders at this point. And this is really when it, it was very clear Cam Newton's career was done. To me, I I just don't see how he's ever going to be a legitimate starter in the league again. And the way they embarrassed the Dolphins with their entire second string. And now, to take you back to it, the Miami Dolphins were basically in a win-and-you're-in position against the Buffalo Bills. The Bills start Matt Barkley. They uh, bring in four second stringers on the offensive line. They sit digs. They sit tons of defensive starters. What happens? We got to know the name Antonio Antonio Williams. 
if you're Miami, how can you let that happen? Well, we've talked about this on our show before, man. It's been a few times within the last 15 years we had a must win at the end of the year and we blew it against second stringers. Oh, yeah. You know? How do you let that happen, though? It, I, it happens, man. I mean, you think that you want it and you need it, but sometimes you can go out there with your uh, first string and you wind up losing their second string, you know? And, I mean, right now we're, I know we're going to talk about the Bears game because, I mean, it's preseason right now, but there's some takeaways from the Bears. I mean, we went out there with basically our starting running back and a couple starting linemen. No starting wide receivers, not our starting quarterback. They had starters on their defense. I, I could have swore I saw number 52 out there. Oh, you did? Was that, was that, I, I know I need probably LASIK surgery. I wear glasses now. Wasn't there Khalil Mack out there? It was field? definitely Khalil Mack, it, it, and he was being stoned by Spencer Brown. Right. So you got to get the same energy for that boy Brown when everybody, oh, he, is, he ain't ready. Oh, well, he looked ready to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he looked good, man, against the All-Pro, so – I mean, it happens, man, when you go out there with your second string play against their starters and you still go out there and dominate, mm -hmm. you know? So the Bills finish the season. They're the number two seed in the AFC going into the playoffs. They don't have a bye this year because there was a slightly different playoff format. What were you thinking at that point? Win a game. Win a game? Win a playoff game. That's all I asked for. If we would have lost first round, that still would have been a successful season, I guess. But I'm just like, win a game. If anything after that will be, I'm happy. Okay. And they, they made you wonder if they were going to win that game against the Colts in the first round. Oh, we were scared. Yeah. We were scared. You made the drive up here from uh, from Richmond again, yeah. a, a two-and-a-half-hour drive to watch the game with your uh, your D.C. boys. Yeah, had to, man. It was cold, and we had the fire, fire going. We was out at the bullpen outside, right outside in that stadium, uh, mask and toe, and hoping we don't catch COVID. Some of us did catch COVID, though, didn't we? Yeah, some me. Did. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes. you know, some people did catch COVID. I remember I had to go get tested. I was scared. So, uh, but, yeah, that was a good time. But we were worried, man. I tell you, I, I thought <sighs> Phillip Rivers, I was like, he he might get us, man. And, and it was a great game, though. It, it was a very good game. And, you know, you, you want to come out on, on – the W side of, of those good games. Um, I, my perspective was I needed the bills to make it to the AFC championship game to feel like it was a successful season because they had set my expectations so high after that Cardinals game. It just looked like they were for real and couldn't be slowed down. But at no point did I think that they had a shot of beating the chiefs. I just wanted them to get the opportunity. So that brought them to then the game against the Baltimore Ravens, which the Bills hosted again. And everybody in the media was talking about how the 7,000 fans in the stands sounded like 70,000 people. Love you, Bills Mafia, for making that possible. Absolutely love it. And, okay, one of the greatest plays in Bills history happened in that game. Can you take us through it? The Teron Johnson pick six, man. I tell you, I didn't know what was going to happen. I feel like we had a lid on uh, Lamar Jackson, the MVP, but you never know. 
He's an electric player. He's the type of person who you miss one assignment, one play, and boom, you're gone. And if you remember when we played them the year before, and they show that highlight all night when Lamar Jackson broke uh, my boy uh, Alexander, yeah. the yeah. linebacker. Uh, Lorenzo. Lorenzo Alexander, he broke his ankles, and they show that all the time. And so it's like any given any given play, he can take the lid off the defense. So I feel like we contain them pretty well. And and once again, the, uh, the pick six is going to live in one of the best plays in the history of our franchise. And it's not just that he had it. Let's set the scene here. The score was 10-3 Buffalo. The Ravens had put together a very long drive. They had gotten down to, what was it, the 13-yard line, 11-yard line, somewhere right around there. It looked like, based on that drive, it looked like they were going to tie up the game. What a swing that was. And Darren Johnson squeezes that ball, thinks about taking the uh, touchback, decides not to. In the first two steps, I said, Oh no. <laughs> and then every step beyond that, I thought, oh yes. <laughs> Taking it to the house, some great blocking. And I mean, we were, like you said, at the bullpen, an outdoor venue, losing our damn minds. That was that was one of my favorite moments from this season, is just the, the sheer excitement that came from that moment. That then led the Bills to the AFC Championship in Kansas City against the guy who's generally considered the best QB in the NFL. That game, you really saw where the Bills were not up to par when it comes to the absolute best in the NFL. I I believe in that, but once again, once again, sports is fluid in my it opinion. It is. And all I'm thinking from that game is, and then watching the Super Bowl – with Tom Brady beat them, like why would why couldn't we play this Kansas City team? Well, I can tell you why. Um, they had injuries to the offensive line that happened at the end of the game against the Bills. Exactly. If they had happened at the beginning of the game and they had a bunch of backups in there, that game might have looked very different. Exactly. And so now watching it once again, y'all. I don't want mean to move the goalposts. You don't take uh, preseason put much stock in it. But I can't imagine our pass rush not being effective this year, which was going to which is going to help us against uh, Patty Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. Okay, I, I can't imagine our depth not coming into play. We have depth, y'all. Bills Mafia. We we have a solid team. Um, and then do we have the superstar, all the superstar Kansas City have? Probably not. Travis Kelsey is probably the best tight end in football. Patrick Mahomes is probably the best quarterback in football. All right. Um, They've got a lot of talent. They have a lot of talent that you got to account for. Uh, the receiver, um, Tariq Hill, probably the fastest dude in the NFL with the ball in his hands. So we have things that we can help offset that. Which, okay, when we play them this year, I feel good about it. You know what I'm saying? So, a lot of this is, we talked about it about 15 minutes ago. A lot of sports is luck. When you make a championship run, that is luck. And we see that here. If Kansas City, if those injuries happen before we play them, we walk out and win, we play Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. Right. So. Right. 
I just, and if we have an offensive line that isn't ravaged with injuries, maybe the Bills have a chance to win that game. Uh, but the Super Bowl happened. Tampa ends up winning it. Brady gets another ring and it, at the same time gave Bill Belichick the bird with both of his hands, gave him the double barrel. Um, so that took us to the offseason. And we knew that it was going to be an interesting offseason, not just for the Bills, but everybody in the NFL with the salary cap dropping precipitously all the way down to $189 million. So the Bills were going to have to make some shrewd moves in order to order to bring back the players that they needed. Matt Milano was becoming a free agent. You had Daryl Williams becoming a free agent. Um, uh, John Feliciano. And the Bills were stuck in this position where it seemed like they were only going to bring back one of them. And somehow they brought back all three key players. Brandon Bean is a magician. He is, and kudos to him. We just knew at that point, we going into the offseason, we knew we were going to take losses. But if you would have told us we would only lose Andre Roberts, we would have took that every day and twice on Sunday. Yes. And don't get me wrong, Andre, once again, we keep going back to the Bears game, referring to it, Isaiah McKenzie with the muff punt. I don't think I've ever seen footage, certainly not in the game, but even in practice, footage of Andre Roberts muffing a punt. He catches it so clean, you never have to worry. You know, And when you look at a punt return, you can tell from their feet. You, it's kind of like quarterback play. You can look at their feet and go, oh, oh, shoot, oh, you know, and you muff it. I mean, I'm not going to, you know, bury him for it, but that's something we're going to have to keep our eye on this season. He muffed it, and luckily against the Bears, he got it back. Um, but then we made up – well, we're going to talk about the game, but we made up for it in the kick return game with uh, a broken uh, – we broke a, a long kickoff or punt return for a touchdown. So special teams, whenever you get on the board, man, it makes for a great day. Another move that they made in the offseason before free agency was a maneuver to lower the cost of their wide receiver room, and that was to let John Brown go sign Emmanuel Sanders. Now, we found out after the fact that Emmanuel Sanders is a player that Brandon Bean has been after for like three years now. And in fact, he, he tried to trade for him. He um, attempted to sign him, finally got him in the door. It was at the expense of Smoke Brown, but okay, we'll see how that works out. Yeah, everyone feels like it's been an upgrade. Obviously, with our starters playing much of the preseason, I guess we won't know for a few weeks. Um, but I'm okay with it. There's nothing we've seen so far that makes it feel like we got duped in a deal. Just hope you can stay healthy. Right, that's the only thing, you know. Um but, yeah, from the MIAA conference, I can't say enough about uh, Pittsburgh State product, John Brown. I, we certainly wished him well, but hopefully we, we won that end of the deal with an upgrade with Emmanuel Sanders. So, And I just think it's a to also the totality of our receiving core. You know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? So let's, let's just say Emmanuel Sanders is not as good as John Brown. What is John Brown? I think he received like what? Like six, 700 yards, I guess? Maybe somewhere in there. Yeah, he was injured a lot of the year, so right. it wasn't up to his what he standard of the does, season before. He sat out a lot, right? So, I mean, as long as, we, as, long as Gabriel Davis, uh, Kumaro, as long as those guys can, they can step their game up, and there's nothing to make us feel like we can't. Once again, referring to the Bears game, both those guys had wonderful, spectacular catches. This just two days ago, 
as of this recording. So as long as they step their game up, I feel like our receiving room is going to be better, even with the loss of John Brown. And let's just say Emmanuel Sanders don't pan out, you know. The Bills also added F.A. Obata in an attempt to add some size to their defensive line. And that was kind of the prelude to the draft in which the Bills selected a bunch of big dudes with their first four picks, including Gregory Rousseau, Boogie Basham, to be, well, defensive ends. And they're expected to be guys who can contribute. And then you have a couple of offensive linemen who are projects that were selected behind them, Tommy Doyle and Spencer Brown. Um, And then the offseason got quiet, but the, the word on the street was, you know what? Gregory Rousseau is a project, and we're not going to see good play out of him right away. Boogie Basham, boy, he looks like the guy who can string a bunch of moves together, and he's going to be the one who contributes out of the gate. So that was the narrative we had midsummer, really at the point where football becomes the football season becomes really boring come about June, right? Yeah, it's hard. It's hard because we, I mean, football obviously is a year-round sport these days, uh, one of the biggest money makers in the world. And so it's hard to think of topics and everything once you got uh, mini camps and stuff over. It's like, oh, man, come on, let's bring on training camp. And so once training camp started, we talked about this on the Jamie D. Big News show. We talked about once you put on pass, things change, man, and we're seeing it right before our eyes. We're living it right now. You know, you see Mr. Bisky, he goes back to Chicago and literally tears their butts apart. And I'm happy for him. Some people cheer for him. Some people boo for him, which is natural. Um, you don't want to see your first round draft pick come back in your building less than a year later and just tear you apart with a bunch of second stringers. And so I know that has to be hard for a Bears fan. But I feel like Justin Fields is going to be the answer for him. They just need to protect him. And that's why I think that Andy Dalton won't – usually I would say start with the veteran and then go to the rookie if the veteran falters. But for the Chicago Bears, with their offensive line, you need somebody with mobility. And you saw that in the second half of the game this weekend where Justin Fields got outside the pocket and was able to extend drives because of his mobility. Where Andy Dalton, I mean, he was just a sitting duck. Even though the, the play of the preseason was, you know, Epinesa and uh, – with the uh, hit of Andre Smith on Justin Fields, that just shows that you need somebody with some mobility and not just a sitting duck, even though that was Justin Fields. That was his welcome to the NFL moment, okay? Because I don't know if you heard on Twitter, they were uh, it, he was trending maybe last week or the week before when he said something about, oh, yeah, this isn't that hard. The speed of the game isn't that much different than what I did at Ohio State. And that was like, yeah, buddy, here, take this. You know, take your helmet off, knock your headband off everything. Yeah, welcome to the NFL. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm glad you brought up Trubisky because that was actually the signing I was the most excited about this offseason because I feel like there's a potential for him to contribute if Josh Allen should go down with an injury. And I, I, I feel very secure in having that because you mentioned the depth that the Bills have put together this year. They have it at most positions. Going into the draft, there was a lot of talk about picking a running back, picking a cornerback. They didn't do either one early in the draft. They ended up with defensive linemen. And now training camp has gotten underway. The Bills have played a couple of preseason games. And what we're looking at is the Bills with maybe too many bodies at the ever-important position of defensive end. And here we had... 
not just one, but two games in that game against the Bears. And that takes us almost up to this very present day in which the Bills dominated from the opening kickoff all the way till the end with a couple of uh, a couple of plays by Justin Fields with his legs. I would say he was very exciting out there. That sort of makes him, at this point, because he didn't throw that well, it makes him sort of Tyrod Taylor. Um, I agree, but I mean, like they pointed out on uh, Good Morning NFL, when you really break down break down what he did this weekend, he had a lot of drops too. And I feel like if he's performing with the first string offense, then it'd probably be a better look. He, I think he's going to start this last preseason game. So, I mean, it's hard when you're in there with the second string and you're a rookie. I, I feel like I'm going to hold judgment until I see him with the starters. But definitely um, with the line he was in, he was under duress, and so he escaped the extended plays. So, but going by what you said, I mean, we've already made a couple cuts. Uh, we talked about already the cuts that we made today, um, and we got to continue to get the roster down. We're going to be letting some good players go. What about Bam Johnson? Bam played a good good game uh, on uh, Saturday. He was very good out there, and he's making a case to stick on the team and make the Bills. Really, the roster construction is in a strange place because you don't want to keep too many players at one position at, at the expense of having depth at other positions, but who do you cut? I, I think we're I, I keep saying it, but we're looking at a trade and Boogie is going to end up on injured reserve. I, I can almost promise you he's going to get, air quote, an injury. Boogie Basher. Yep. Okay. Well, I'm talking about playing Bam Johnson. I mean, I don't even see. I think he's going to make the team. You think you did in your prediction too. So, yeah, I just don't see how because uh, of the numbers. And once again, y'all, let's, let's just do a review. We did. We did the uh, predictions. So, let's go kind of at the two preseason games. And now guys are starting to get cut. I feel like we're going to keep six. You feel like we're going to keep more than that? Yeah, I think. Six ends? Well, okay. Mario Addison. A- Addison and Hughes, definitely. Okay. Rousseau. You got to keep your first-round pick. Epinesa. Yep, your second-round pick from last year. Obata. Uh, yep. And then, bam, that would be your six? That bam, would be Johnson. six. If we're saying that Boogie is going to go on to injured reserve. Okay. So we're going to hide him. We're going to hide him. Okay. So that would be the six and then hide Boogie. Okay. All right. And That's then, a lot of defensive ends. It is. That's yeah. what I'm saying. So we got we to gotta do some maneuvering. We got to do some maneuvering. And then a D tackle, we haven't seen start. When, I don't, and I mentioned this last week. Why is Ed Oliver playing so much? Like, it's weird. Like, you always ask me about how you feel about football. Like, in the beginning, when you don't really know who's starting, you don't know where your play's going to be, and then you can kind of tell as a week or two go on, they start to separate people. You know what I'm saying? Like I told you last week, at the running back position. I'm like, why is Singletary playing so much? Why has he got to play? I mean, he's been playing wonderfully, but if he's a starter, why – like, I'm thinking – Okay, if Josh Allen ain't playing, why am I playing? You know what I'm saying? So is that telling? Is that a telling sign of what they really feel about you, Ed Oliver, if you're playing so much? Well, you also said that it is an opportunity for somebody to build confidence. And maybe they're feeling like that's what's lacking from his game right now. Or build film so you can trade him. Oh, 
So I don't know. I, I just think that, like I said last week, I thought it was peculiar that Singletary played so much. This week, I'm looking at Ed Oliver, and I know they're moving him around. I don't know if you noticed on a couple passing downs when he was in a game, he was kicked out the defensive end. So, uh, yeah. And so I just think it's one of those situations where um, I, I don't know why. I mean, if you look at the start defense, he's really the only one that's in there. Everybody else is the backups, you know. So, do we think Justin Zimmer is is taking his place? Is taking his snaps? I think if you could trade him, maybe. But politically, because he was such a high pick, I don't think you want to give up on him so soon. But I just, I don't know. Like I said, on the out, we don't have any intel or anything. I'm just saying on the outside in. When I see all my friends from the starting defense on the sideline, and I'm out, I'm out here working with the second string, I don't know how I feel about that. Once again, I only played college and arena football, um, but I mean, even in high school, if you consider the start whatever, and you out there with the second stringers and all your buddies over there chilling on the sideline, <laughs> throwing water at each other, and doing that and doing interviews, that's I don't know. I think I would feel a certain way. Huh. You know. That's that's definitely going to be something to monitor. Yeah. So maybe it's to get film. Maybe we'll let them go. I don't know, but um, it would have to be a trade. I can't see them giving up on them. Well, that's what I mean. Together. Like get film so he could get a trade, some value for. Very interesting because he is a good player. He may not have eye popping stats, but they're typically a better team with him on the field. And so then you keep four tackles. I I think you do star. And let's say we don't trade Ed Oliver, Vernon Butler. I, I said before that they were going to keep him because there's some guarantees in his contract. They're not going to keep him. Zimmer? And Phillips, who got hurt. Right, and we don't know the severity of it. They say it's not severe, but we'll see. But then, too, can you go with – can you go with – can you go with three and have one of your six DNs move inside? I don't think so because then you're going to be saddling yourself with too many people that are unable to play the one technique. So you feel like we're going to keep four? I think we're going to keep four, and I think one of them is going to be Harrison Phillips, who is injured, who's right, injured now, right now. But Harrison Phillips, and you saying Vernon. So Vernon Butler is going to go and we'll keep Zimmer. So in your eyes, that's the fourth and fifth person. And it'll be one spot, and it'll go to Zimmer. Yeah. So, I'm actually if Harrison Phillips, who they by all accounts has looked really good the past couple of weeks of camp, if he can keep building on that and get back to where he was early in his rookie season, I feel really good about that defensive tackle group. Um, if the coaches love Zimmer. I think Ed Oliver is – he may be a guy who never plays up to his talent level or his expectations, but that doesn't make him a bad player. I agree. He hasn't played bad. He's just not playing like a top-10 draft pick. You know what I'm saying? So I think that's the situation. If he was selected number 22 overall, people would be loving him. It's just where the expectations were set. And sometimes expectations can kill you, man, I tell you. <laughs> Perception sometimes kill. So we have now run through in this, our anniversary show, 
last year at this time, all the way up to the very minute of this podcast in the latest happenings with the Buffalo Bills. If you can sum up how you feel over this past 12 months, what would it be? I feel like, and I was talking to my friends about this last couple of weeks. I feel like because we have this pod, I'm more ingrained into it. I mean, with us, it's always an everyday thing. We text each other all the time, along with everybody else from the backers and stuff. But now that we prepare for it, we, we're we're I feel like we're really a part. I feel like we was a part of Bill's Mafia, but now I feel like we're part of the organization, I guess. Maybe that's <laughs> weird. But I've noticed, like, because I'm a big, as I said on here plenty of time, I'm a big Notre Dame fan. Shout out to Nick McLeod. He had a pick the other day, or yep. on Saturday. Um, I'm a big Notre Dame fan, and I found – like if you give if you got a hundred percent, I found that it was it was before this, it was 50-50, Notre Dame Buffalo. Now I feel like it's like 80%, 20% mm. Buffalo to Notre Dame. And Notre Dame is gonna be good this year. It's just that every time I get on Twitter or I get on the phone, I'm researching, looking at sports, I'm always looking at Buffalo, and I don't even really know what's going on with, with Notre Dame at all. I mean, we got uh, Labor Day weekend, we played Florida State down in Tallahassee, and I was thinking about going down for the game, but the hotel rooms are just astronomical down there. So we might just catch it on TV, but usually I'll be on top of the quarterback race. What's going on now? I really don't know what's going on. So to sum it all up, I'm saying all that long-winded to say, to sum it all up, I feel like this year because of the pie, that was like – I'm sorry it took a pandemic for one of the best years of my life. Mm-hmm. You know, as far as being a part of Bill's Mafia, being a part of this, doing this, especially with you. This past 12 months really renewed my excitement as a fan, which had, frankly, they, they killed that side of me by being inept for so many years, by, you know, having all those like hollow expectations that we put on the team. And, you know, uh, all the times they made splashy moves only for it to fall flat, like signing T.O. That was supposed to get them to the playoffs. That didn't work. But all of a sudden, it looks like there's a team that's going to be in place for a while. It's a good team. It's a well-run organization. And they lock up a franchise quarterback, which is something that we have not seen in decades. And I am now excited for Sundays like I haven't been in a long time. And also, I'm feeling anxiety that I haven't felt in a long time. Like when those games are close, especially in the playoffs, I want them to win so damn badly that I, I'm feeling it through my entire body. But you know what? That's kind of what makes it fun. It, as long as you're, you know, compartmentalizing it correctly, you, you can't let it ruin your your entire day or your next week. It it is what it is, which is entertainment. But at the same time. It's a great source of pride. I'm loving walking down the street wearing my like Bills backers gear and hearing the people shout at me, go Bills, from wherever it happens to be coming. Sometimes I don't even see where it's coming. I just hear the words. I love it, man. What I really enjoy is it's kids. Oh, yeah. right? Because when you get around, like I'm always, I got a, now I got a high schooler and a middle schooler, and I get around their friends and they'll say, Bills Mafia. And that's what you get because now the last two years we've been decent. Been we've been to the playoffs. Now if we make a Super Bowl run, now those kids are going to remember. They won't remember us being crappy the last 20 years. Right. They're, it's like almost starting anew. 
And so that's what I enjoy. And just to see everybody wearing their paraphernalia, like you said, I always wear because I've always wore the paraphernalia no matter what. Because I always knew that at some point, hopefully, that if my cholesterol don't take me out of heart disease, don't take me out, <laughs> you know. <laughs> like Bob always said, man, just please, one before I die. You know, Bob Charles for the D.C. backers, man, he always says that. And so you you gather all the jerseys, all the shirts, the polos, the hats, and now you can wear it proudly. So that's what you're talking about. You know, you wear it, and it's kind of like, man, you a Bills fan? Like, it's like a badge of honor for the simple fact they know if you when you suck and you still repping it and you still talking trash and know what you're talking about, now when you start winning, people respect you even more. You know, like last year, going back to what you asked about what made this year so special, So I'm talking about people who I went to undergrad with. I graduated college in 95. People you go to undergrad with, like, man, Big Newt, man, I remember you used to be going, watch the game, you was talking Buffalo Bills back then, man. Hey, man, I'm happy for you. And that's why I always said, man, like, I feel more proud of it now than I'm sure Josh Allen does. And I don't say that lightly. Yeah, you're out there. You're the man now. But I've been doing this before you were born. You was a tweet on your pappy's eye. And we was, <laughs> and we was talking <laughs> Buffalo Bill stuff. So, I mean, I, I can't imagine the joy he's feeling being the quarterback of the Buffalo Bills. But I'm probably not far from it. You know what? For somebody who feels so strongly about it, I think Josh Allen should give you some of that money. <laughs> yeah, you, you deserve it. You well, deserve it. Get yourself some uh, new Yeezys. And- not Yeezys. <laughs> oh, God. I don't think Yeezys are wide enough for me. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I just think it's one of those things where now we can finally wear our stuff proudly. And, and once again, the thing I think about is the kids. I want us to be good for the next eight, nine, ten years, hopefully win a Super Bowl. So now we'll have a next generation when they be like, man, we were kids, man. Josh Allen, Tredavious White, hey, you know. Uh, Stephon Diggs, who was number 11 in the uh, top 100. I don't know if you saw that, so that's awesome. And so the top 10 will be announced after our game Saturday on uh, NFL Network. They'll do the top 10, and Josh Allen will be in the top 10. We just don't know what number. So I don't care if he's number 9 or 10. To be in the top 10, move up 80-some spots from where he was last year, that's really a testament to what they feel about him in the league. I just love to hear what uh, what the other players have to say about them. Oh, That's the coolest me. part. Yeah, so after we after we stomp out the Packers, just stay tuned in to NFL Network and you'll see the top ten. So, But just to be amongst those greats, man, Tom Brady obviously is going to be there. That's more of a lifetime achievement award. <laughs> <laughs> okay, which, I mean, he deserves, I guess. He won the Super Bowl. He's one of the greatest. Uh, Aaron Donald's in there. It's two receivers that's going to be in there that was above Diggs. Which D-Hop, D Hop um, and uh, Adams. Adams for the Bay. Packers. Um, and then uh, uh, Henry. Derek Henry. Derek Henry's in there. So Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers will be in there. Mahomes will be in there. So yep. Josh Allen will fall somewhere in there in that place. So whatever it is, man, it's wonderful and it's a testament to all his hard work. So we're looking forward to it. Give us a song, buddy. It's always good seeing you, man. I guess we'll talk after the Packers game and got a long ride back to Richmond. Dinner tonight. Oh, we're doing dinner. Yeah. All right, let's do dinner. All right, sounds good. Oh, well, if it's free, then I'm always staying. Hey, hey! More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot. 
because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.